0: Eh, m'agradaria eh, anunciar doncs, que, que el 30 de juny no seguiré com a entrenador del Barça. És una decisió... Hem estat parlant ara amb el president, amb Rafa Juste, amb Alejandro Echeverría, amb deco i amb part de l'estaf. Crec que la situació mereix un canvi de rumb i com a culer no puc permetre aquesta, aquesta situació. Well, there we are. On a weekend of high-profile managerial departures, Chavi added his name to the list. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Matt Clark. Delighted to be joined appropriately by Barca fan, Roman d'Arcè. Roman, how you doing?
2: And firstly, as a fan, how are you feeling about the big news from this weekend? Well, um, I'm feeling a bit frustrated, to be honest, um, especially be- because how the game went and then the fact that things haven't worked out with Chavi is also frustrating I'd say because I think we all had like big hopes um, on on this working out one way or another you know a club legend coming back trying to help the team actually winning important titles such as La Liga um, it all felt like this would keep on growing but we've gone from winning titles to absolute chaos and drama and you know now he's leaving suddenly out of nowhere and it's a bit unfortunate because I have to say this I know it's hard to hear maybe, but uh, Barca does have a very toxic fan base and, uh, you know, surroundings and uh, also in terms of the, the, the press, journalism, and I think it's very difficult for for a coach to actually stay there, ha- take take his time, you know, do his thing. Um, obviously I have to agree that I was also quite annoyed with how the team was playing and I felt like Xavi might not be the answer. Um, but at the same time I was told that he had to finish it off this season and that's something that is going to happen, which is positive. So we'll, if, if there's any improvement from here till the end, who knows what can happen, but at least he'll have had a full season to finish off. But, you know, it's a very complicated um, atmosphere here and it's very difficult to to make it work. And I think um, Xavi, you know, as a Barca fan, he said it in the press conference, um, he, he felt it was time to to let go at the end of the season. Yes,
0: we'll get onto the game itself in a moment, but just to, to unpick the, the events after the game as they unfolded, of course you heard that press conference there, and for those of you that don't obviously speak the language or, or of course the Catalan dialect, any of um, any of those uh, comments could be hard to understand, but he did say he wanted to um, take the decision. He said he decided after Supercopper interestingly, but um, following the Villarreal defeat, he felt he had to announce it now. Um, he said he needed the club needed a change of dynamic and that he didn't want uh, to be a problem for the club and he felt this decision would detension the environment um, around the area because obviously we've been talking about Xavi's position for quite a number of weeks now. Uh, we know the title defence has not gone as expected. They're conceding a lot more goals, they're struggling to score. There's been big injuries and underperformances from key players, so all of this in the mix. Um, and he also did say that, you know, there will never be an Alex Ferguson type figure at Barcelona because as you hinted there Roman the, the atmosphere is too intense um, yeah. Pep was burnt out after four years then you know he needed a break and now he's been at City for seven years already so there is there is merit in that of course it's it is a shame that a legend such as Xavi has, has only really been there just over two years and and it's already at an end but um yeah do you feel that do you feel the timing of the announcement is the right decision? Do you think it will be able to let the team just concentrate on
2: football now or now that that kind of noise around Xavi is, is kind of gone? Well, I've actually read a lot of pe- people criticising that the fact that he's decided to say it now and continue till the end of the season because, of course, now they feel like the players won't maybe trust Xavi or might not be behind him as much because they know that at the end of the season he's going to leave. So it doesn't matter what he says or does that his words maybe aren't as... Is valuable uh, to the players and also, you know, for, for many different reasons. Honestly, at this point, I don't think it's that bad, that much of a problem. I think this season is practically over for us. Of course, there are still hopes of winning the league, even though they are very, very, very tiny. And there is still the Champions League and all that. Um, And I think it kind of calms the waters now because, you know, you can't, like, say, we need to change manager. Of course, we need to change manager. It's going to happen. But, I mean, halfway through the season, I think it's kind of pointless. I mean, maybe a new manager comes in now and he does pretty bad in the next four months, even though he's coming to already work on the next season and the criticism falling on him now makes uh, doubters or things change and people doubt and maybe force him to go. So, for me... Changing manager now doesn't make any sense. I think we have to stick to Xavi, Um and they decided to. He decided to, to tell everyone now. I think he just basically wanted to take off some pressure, you know, of himself, and then also gives time for the board to look for a replacement, basically, because if he leaves now, there is a big problem. They don't know who to find or what to do. You know, they might just send in Rafa Marquez uh, in the battlefield, and you know, do whatever you can. But that's pretty risky. So I think. I think it kind of makes sense in my opinion. It's not such a problem, and uh, I think the players will still be behind him. You know, I mean, Xavi is a legend, and I think if one thing we have learned is that Xavi is quite direct. You know, not just in the press, with the players, he says what he thinks, and I think they're they're definitely going to want to try and do something in the Champions League. That's a fact. You know, I mean, Napoli is a good team, but it's also a beatable team. I think for Barca because we've seen Barca play. Some very good minutes in that game, for example, with Villarreal, we had some very good minutes. You know, so Barca can play well; it's just a matter of finding consistency, which unfortunately uh, has never been found this um, so far.
0: Joan mm. Laporta was speaking on Sunday, and he said he accepted the decision because Xavi is such a legend. In other words, he allows him to to finish the season on his own terms and then go, rather than say go now. Um, interesting. There was an article in the Athletic as well, Dermot Corrigan. Uh, he mentioned that a lot has changed since last season even the the kind of uh makeup of the back room in the club and uh the sort of environment around xavi and last season he had obviously Jordi Cruyff, Matteo mateo Arimane, and of course on the pitch sergio busquets who's been there years obviously played alongside him for many of those years all of those figures have gone now how much influence do you think that has had on the the unraveling of this environment now
2: well it's definitely... a very different
0: environment as already as said We've got the likes of Deco and George yeah. and Mendes around the situation now.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely doesn't help because, of course, I think Mateo Walemain was definitely a key figure in Barca's success lately. You know, losing him was, was I think, a big blow uh, for everyone. And, of course, uh, Jordi Cruyff also was very close to Xavi, you know, in that sense. And now bringing in Deco, who apparently, according to quite a few people from the press here in Barcelona, they say that the relationship isn't great with Xavi, you know. So I mean, definitely that hasn't helped. But I I don't think that's the problem. The problem in the end is the results, is the football, especially the way the team was playing. And honestly, I do feel like Xavi was was missing something, you know, in terms of tactics. I always said like the team uh, it feels like some basics aren't there. Like you look at the uh, the, the um, sorry, you look at the match and you see the players, and you you always see like there's somebody maybe missing in the middle, you know, to connect those passes and to move forward. I mean, basic stuff that it feels like. Xavi wasn't really finding the key or finding the way to, to make it work and, and, and to play the style that Barca you know uh, likes to play historically so uh, for me the problem really was, was on the pitch even though definitely that can have influence and maybe Xavi did feel maybe alone at some point or not as supported as he was uh, maybe if, if months ago or a year ago
0: mm. well certainly there were problems on the pitch against Villarreal um, they were 2-0 down in this game had a tremendous comeback to go 3-2 ahead then conceded to a new loan signing, Gonzalo Gerdes, and then conceded two more in stoppage time to lose 5-3 at home. Of course, we know it's more in Zurich. That's another reason why it's not quite the same as last season, and we've, we've talked about that before. But in terms of La Liga home g- matches, Barca haven't conceded five since for over 60 years. So a pretty historic, um, historically negative result there, and it kind of feels appropriate in a way that that's Kind of signaled the absolute end game for Xavi, as we say. We talked about it for a while. Is it 19 goals they've conceded in January alone? It's 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 pretty chaotic, isn't it? As you as you've been saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, defensively also, it's pretty bad. Um, this game in particular was was so strange. It started off as usual. Barca playing very poorly the first half, going down, having to somehow fight for a comeback, and honestly, it didn't look possible uh, because two 0 down. Barca you know, we're just so bad but then somehow the team tends to react you know and then they were playing actually really good football and that's where mm-hmm. the three two uh comeback took place and now I, I was like i thought it, we had the job done although i knew that we need to score a fourth you know it felt like the team had kind of relaxed in that third goal i was like come on guys find the fourth because we know how bad we can be in defense and how we're always like finding uh, trouble and in the end they found trouble and you know uh, the game just went absolutely bonkers and and it ended how it ended. Honestly, I don't think BRL really deserved the win. I think a, a draw at the very least. But I did think the overall Barca were, were the better side, and I mean they had chances to to finish the game off sooner. But this is football, you know. You go from winning 3-2 and playing amazing football, and a few minutes later you're losing 5-3, and your coach has to has to say that he's going to leave. So I mean, this is a bit also the summary of what's been happening lately with Xavi. Absolute chaos. Absolute. Uh, unexpected situations Barca also doesn't make sense for Barca to have to be having to come back so many games you know and having to struggle and also being so weak defensively when we came from a season when we were so good at the back although I would say that that season Ter Stegen was just he saved us I remember so many games where Ter Stegen saved us from like goals that could have completely changed the outcome of, of many matches but still I mean from there to to being so 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 weak at the back, even if Ter Stegen isn't there, just doesn't make any sense. So I mean, um, for me again, still tactical things that you know have to be worked around the back, defensive position, etc. That uh, Xavi, unfortunately hasn't been able of of solving or, or fixing. So this is you know this is football and this is Barcelona where everything is even a bit more complicated than it is at most clubs. I'd say. Mm. So the Chavineta, the wheels have finally come (laughs) off. Um,
0: A word on Villarreal though, because I know you you may say they didn't necessarily deserve the win, but for Martellino, that is his first league victory over Barca ever. He has beaten them, of course, in in the Copa final, Super Supercopa, um, and also again in the Copa with Athletic, but that is his first league victory over the Catalans in his managerial career. So a hat tip to Martellino and Villarreal, they're starting to look like they're pulling away a little bit from danger. They're still conceding shed loads of goals, which will be a concern, but they look like they've got some green shoots of recovery there. Um, As for one potential candidate that's been named as Chavi's successor, García Pimienta, who Laporta has already sacked once, uh, his side had yet another impressive performance. They were taking on Real Madrid and took the lead. Uh, But, of course, Real Madrid do remontadas quite a bit better than anyone else, and so it proved. Vinicius equalised before... Aurelian Chouameni on his birthday scored the winning goal for Real Madrid to take them back, temporarily at least, above Girona in the table, Roman. Firstly, how impressive were were Las Palmas and also Madrid again to keep the winning machine rolling on?
2: Well, Las Palmas, you know, the usual level they've been showing this season, playing very, very attractive football. Um, I always think that they could do so much better if they found, you know, a piece or two in the attacking positions to even bolster uh, that attack. But to, to be honest, uh, Sandro has surprised me over performing lately. He's, he's a, a striker I don't personally like too much, but uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's making it work. You know, Pimienta is, is finding a fit for him. And overall, I think Las Palmas as a team is is doing really well. It was a very difficult challenge for Real Madrid also without Bellingham um Available, anything could happen. I think Las Palmas, you know, really had the chance to take this home, but in the end, uh, Madrid do what they always do just score goals, especially one at the very end to make it a bit more painful uh, for the team they're playing against. And also, I have to say, I, I don't like bringing up referees and all that kind of stuff, but VAR lately with Madrid is just a bit shocking, I have to say. I mean, the Almeria game, we all saw what happened. Um, obviously, not all the plays were as controversial as people were saying, but there were a couple which honestly. I think were quite uh, weird, at least. Um, but then in this one, also the, the Ceballos penalty, I mean, that would have probably given up Las Palmas um, a lot of hope and the, the Rodrigo aggression, which honestly, I don't understand why that isn't a red card. It just makes me wonder what they have to do to actually be as um, strict with Madrid players as they would be with Las Palmas players, with all other smaller clubs players. So, I mean if they have this extra advantage um, or luck or however you want to call it, it always makes it easier for them to to win the games. But of course, uh, Real Madrid is a powerhouse and they have the players to to get the results they need and at the moment. Uh, it's surprising because you always think, OK, maybe Girona, maybe Las Palmas, maybe Barca are the ones that can stop them you know, because they're playing really good football and you know they, that, but they somehow just make it work and, and pull through these tougher games and there they are at the top.
0: Yes, playing some... Uh well, playing good football and getting the results, more importantly, and they looking pretty strong at
2: uh, just behind Girona at the top of the table. Some big games for them coming up. Sorry, and I just wanted to add that you mentioned last, but um, being a possible replacement mm. for Xavi I think that's very, very unlikely because um, he already fired him once, and it would like yeah. kind of prove him wrong. And then also because not being from the La Porta sector, being from Bartomeu it's very difficult that he's gonna track back there so i mean i, I wouldn't mind seeing him but uh, it seems like a very unlikely case scenario you're about half a second away from mentioning Kike Setien there won't you <laughs> <laughs> by the way Kike Setien is actually free <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think he's still owed money from his sacking to be fair but yeah, anyway we'll move on again but he's being paid he's <laughs> being paid so don't worry good 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 uh right speaking of managers who have stepped away citing burnout and lacking energy we talk about Jürgen Klopp on friday Chavi, of course, too. One man who seems to have endless amounts of energy is El Cholo Diego Simeone, still going strong at Atletico de Madrid. They faced an in-form Valencia on Sunday night at the Metropolitano, Fortress Metropolitano, and they won again. And of course, it had to be Samuel Lino, who was on loan so effectively at Valencia last season, who opened the scoring after a spectacular Griezmann pass. Valencia's defence was kind of asleep just before half-time, but that was the opening goal. Memphis rounded it off in the second half. Another win for Adleti, another clean sheet. They are solidly in the top four level on points with Barca and uh,
2: 10 behind Real Madrid. Roman, what did you make of this game? Well, I mean, honestly, it it looked like an entertaining game because, I mean, I've been saying quite a few for quite a while now that Valencia are one of the revelations for me uh, this season, one of the surprises uh, so far. And, I mean, it felt like it could go any way if Valencia had one of those uh, solid performances, but I think Atletico clearly deserved the win here. They were the much better side. Um, those two goals could have been three, even or four. I'd say. I mean, they had they had some good chances, and um, I just love the way Atletico are playing, especially in terms of offensive football. How they move forward, how they're so quickly combining, whether it's uh, short passes, long balls. Uh, they they have like really clear minds on what they want to do and how they want to play, and I think that's something that Chola is really. Uh, allowed the team to do and it's impressive how you know we used to always see the rocky defensive team that barely wanted the ball just kick it up and try and you know find a counter and now they're just actually creating a lot with the ball and I mean with the players they have they can do that so it's it's, it's fantastic to see them play that way and if they can if they can find that solidity they had at the back some seasons ago I mean this team would definitely be fighting for everything
0: mm. Candidatos uh, yeah. Barrios and Rodrigo de Paul, Griezmann, yeah really fluid football, really uh, incisive attacking at some points there so very good job, well done for them Mm -hmm. on Sunday night and last before the break, uh, Girona of course, they are still league leaders, they went back above Real Madrid on Sunday lunchtime with a 1-0 win at Balaidos, it's Porto who's uh, the the hero really Um, having come back this season and is, is just loving life at Girona, back where he belongs many would say. To be honest, though, I want to talk more about Delta because there was a lot of pitados, a lot of calls and mm-hmm. whistles for
2: you know Rafa Vetea. They yeah, they're they're turning on Benitez now, aren't they? They are, and I mean, it felt like it was a bit it was a matter of time. Honestly, um, I can understand that. I mean, in, here we're living something similar, and you get fed up when you see that your team isn't making it work, and and that you're giving them time, and and nothing's really happening there. Uh, in the end, fans get frustrated, and it's normal, and that's why everyone, well, not everyone, but uh, a big part of the fan base is starting to to complain. As you said, there were a chance of Rafa Uh The fans can't stand this much more, even though they lost against Girona, which is a, mm. one of the best teams. Only 1-0. Exactly, yeah. it was only 1-0, and Celta did have their chances, you know? So, I mean, um, in the end, I don't think it's a terrible result, and it, it's not a, a result that should sack a manager in my opinion it's not like the 5-3 so I mean this is a pretty different case scenario and after the, in the press conference Benitez said that he was quite calm about this and, and that he's working on a three-year project which is also something I think we have to get used to more even though it's very difficult because we always say football is recency its result is what's happening now and people don't have time to wait a year to see what happens you know even though they might appreciate in the end so I it's hard to say. I mean, ideally, maybe Benita this in struggles, and then next season, things start working out. Or it happens, like with Chavi that things maybe don't go too better, but they go too worse. So, honestly, I respect what Benita is saying. I think he's right in the sense that if it's a three-year project that they had actually agreed with the, um, the board, etc., well, he should be given time, of course. It all depends on the results. If he's obviously mm-hmm. going to be at the bottom three, then, I mean, I can understand there'll be a reaction. But... Hopefully he can pull through and he can prove to everyone that this is a long-term uh, project and, and something c- can work out. But it's also true that uh, Rafa is, is not very autocritic. We You could say, you know, in press conferences, he always tends to find blames mm-hmm. elsewhere. And that's they something referees. I think... Yeah, I think that's something that fans don't really appreciate too much. Uh, like the Ch- yeah, Chavi they would say. So I was always, sorry, I keep comparing. But it's actually quite similar in a way. And it's true that Rafa doesn't off, yeah. like to blame himself so I mean that's something he needs to work on too and he does need results in the end which is what football is about Indeed it is and seeing
0: their position even though they've been on a decent run of unbeaten form of late it's yeah they're still stuck in 17th just above the drop zone and of course the hierarchy could not countenance getting relegated in their centenary season Right after the break we'll be back with the remaining five games including three of the sides who are in the Copa del Rey semi finals Stay with us Hello everyone and welcome back to La Liga Lowdown Matchday 22 recap. It's nearly the end of January now and things are starting to get towards the important part of the season. As for Sevilla, they're not going anywhere fast. They had a home game with Osasuna on Sunday evening, took the lead. Young prospect Isaac Romero with another goal. He scored each of their last four in all competitions, but it was Osasuna's own important striker. uh, The Swan, uh, Ante Budimir with an equaliser in the second half to... uh, to level the scores and mean that Sevilla still haven't won at home since September. That was many months ago and two managers ago. Oh man, we've spoken a lot about Sevilla, and if we're tired of talking about it, I can only imagine what the fans are feeling. They were chanting against the board, um, "dimisión, dimisión, directiva, dimisión." I, I, I don't know what else to say. We, we seem like we've covered it all, but it's it's still just absolutely stuck in the mire.
2: It is, and it's just a you know consequence of poor decision after poor decision after poor decision, and it's now led to this uh, very complicated situation where Sevilla just can't find a way out, you know. And and let's not forget, this is not this season. This is from last season, and maybe even before that, a bit before that, you know. And uh, the Europa League kind of made it feel like maybe that was over, but it wasn't, and they were back where they started, basically, and, and struggling again, and and this season feels like it might be even tougher uh, last than last time, because uh, I don't see Kike Sanchez-Flores coming with any miracle uh, comebacks, I mean, I, I do think he can save them, but I mean, not like Mendilibar bringing them to the mid-tables uh, positions, you know, and getting good results, it's just an absolute struggle, and uh, even though in the Copa del Rey they did compete against Atletico Madrid, they did have their... Their opportunity to, to qualify and then here and there they show some moments where they don't look as bad but then they just don't get the results they keep struggling isaac romero is definitely a bright spot there and he's a fantastic player to have found at this stage of the season because just imagine what they would be doing without his goals right mm-hmm. now um but yeah they're incapable of even even doing well at home Sanchez piz you know a stadium yeah. where uh, they've been historically well, so strong with the fans behind them and, and right now the fans aren't really behind them anymore. As you said, you know, they're against the board. They're not happy with anything that's happening. And there's also injuries ongoing in, in Sevilla, problems. Uh, I just see absolute chaos there and I really hope they can find a solution. But uh, it looks like this season is going to be a struggle right till the very end. And if they save themselves... They need to make massive, massive changes, and if they go down, it could be quite dramatic. I don't know what would happen to the club, so mm. uh, we'll have to just be patient and see if Kika can come up with with miracles. It would be um, Yeah, deal,
0: yeah, be an absolute craze if Sevilla were to go down, uh, and if if they do stay up, it'll be because there are three teams that are just worse than them. I don't think it'll be because they have any kind of you know True. brilliant merit to to stay up. It'll just be that mm-hmm. three are worse and 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 that's how they scraped through. Um, The Basque sides, Athletic Club and Real Sociedad both qualified for the semi-finals of the Copa del Rey this week, but neither could win nor score this weekend. Real Sociedad held to a nil-nil draw by Rayo Vallecano on Saturday lunchtime. And Athletic were held at Cadiz, who had their first game under new coach, Mauricio Pellegrino. We uh, erroneously omitted this from the last podcast because we were talking so much about the Copa. But uh, yeah, Cadiz, of course, having sacked Sergio, appointed Mauricio Pellegrino and they got their first point and clean sheet on the board on Sunday. So, Roman,
2: two games without goals,
0: but anything important to to take away from these?
2: Well, um, good, decent or good manager bounce uh, from Pellegrino. We said it before, Sergio had to move on, so I think that was the right call. I'm not saying now they're going to save themselves, of course it's going to be that tough, but they took the advantage of a tired, I'd say, athletic after that really tough a performance against Barça, which went, of course, to extra time, and I think uh, that has to have an effect, you know. And, and we saw it. that result. I think is is partly due to that. Uh, but it's important that guys can make the most. And I mean, a, a draw against Athletic Club, which is a team fighting for the top four, uh, is a very good result for them. And on the other hand, well, we have Real Sociedad, who are struggling lately. I mean, they haven't really found two wins in a row in La Liga in quite a while now, uh, but they're still holding on to the top uh, European positions and there's uh, still a long way to go but it does feel like Real Sociedad are struggling a bit too much uh, we've always talked about squad rotation even though they, they recently in a player uh, but we'll have to see what Imanol uh, can do and if he can keep this up because the Champions League will be back soon and they're going to have to combine with of course La Copa del Rey where they're still alive so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of competitions, a lot of matches for Real Sociedad and of course uh, that has to affect also the uh, physical aspect of, of the team
0: yeah, I was suggesting to Rory the other day that perhaps they'll they'll go for the copper and of course this Champions League tie against PSG, but it will be to the detriment of their league form. Mm-hmm. They've only won one of the last five in the league, and and they've drawn as many games as they have win they have won. So nine sure. wins, nine draws. It's uh, the draws are what's costing them. They're, they're still hard to beat. Only four teams have beaten them in the league this season, uh, which mm-hmm. is the same for Athletic and for Betis actually. But um, yeah, too many draws for La Real, which will ultimately cost them european spot if indeed that is the case uh athletic still pretty comfortable there in the fight for the top four they're still got a nice cushion over La lareal but uh Resortidad will be looking over their shoulders because the big winners in the european race this weekend was betis they went to mallorca they were still on the high from reaching the semi-final themselves uh, Sergio sergi altimira on the stroke of half time with the only goal of this game for betis then uh, we're delighted to get back to winning ways there um, after their defeat to Barca last time out and it moves them into 7th place just 2 points now behind Real Sociedad so Betis have kind of pulled themselves back up into that race, haven't
2: they? Yeah, because we've always been talking about a dodgy season by Betis but there they are, you know 7th, uh, 34 points just 2 points away from Real Sociedad of course, uh, the top 5 is a bit more complicated but I mean, given how... The season has been going for them. I, I don't think it's it's a bad result at this stage. Uh, see if in the end they can qualify. And actually, saw an interesting interesting stat where uh, Benitez managed. His, uh, sorry, Pellegrini <laughs> managed his uh, 60th clean sheet as a Real Betis manager. And so he's the manager with more clean sheets for Betis in the 21st century. So I mean, his project in the end has been quite positive, even though this season maybe it wasn't. Uh, the step up uh, Betty's fans expected, but still they're, they're consistent, they're there and uh, they're fighting for what they can.
0: And last but by no means least, on Friday night it was quite the result uh, in Almeria. Of course, we've seen Almeria do so well to compete with Girona and then with Real Madrid recently. Um, of course, we spoke so much about that game at the Bernabeu last weekend, but um, they came up against Alavez and they got absolutely hammered 3 0. Samu Omorodion absolutely unplayable. Two goals, provoked a penalty. He was instrumental in this Alaves win, which is their third in a row. They've beaten um, they've beaten Sevilla, well they've beaten Betis in the Copa, then they beat Sevilla. Okay, they lost to Athletic, but three league wins in a row. And they are looking absolutely comfortable in terms of safety. They're 11th in the league, 26 points already, level on points with Getafe, a whole 10 clear of the drop zone. I mean, a great credit to Luis Castilla Plata.
2: Yeah, great credit because uh, they have been flirting with those bottom positions for quite a while now, and it did seem like they were one of the possible candidates to go down. But you know, uh, now they've kind of reacted. They've gotten, they've got some really good results, and they're pulling um, away from those bottom positions quite comfortably, as you said. And I think that's that's really half or, or more than half of the season done I think I mean I, I see it's very difficult for them to, to go down at this point of course anything can happen but seeing how weak and how very few points uh, the bottom five, six tend to add week in week out um, with three wins in a row I think that just practically uh, saves you from many more suffering so they can keep up this level let's see how high you know they can go and, and great job by Luis Garcia Plaza at, at the moment
0: I mean, let's put it this way. In January alone, they've won as many league matches as Mallorca have all season, Sevilla have all season, <laughs> Delta have all season. Exactly. Uh, and more than Cadiz and Granada and Almeria themselves. So, yeah, uh, a lot of points there that they, they've got that others clearly haven't. And a word on Almeria, I tell you what, if you're a Sporting Gijon fan who is kind of in a weird way proud of having that worst record of, in La Liga, of having the lowest <laughs> points total in the mid-90s, you're probably getting a bit worried here because Almeria... Are really threatening to, to break that terrible record
2: <laughs> yeah I mean Almeria just uh, I don't know what to say you know I mean they, they did have 19 shots 7 on target in this game but it's just nothing's working out for them you know it's it's no matter what happens even those games against Barca and Madrid where they played so well and they were so close to getting something they got nothing and so I think it's just a, a mix of bad luck of course bad football I mean it's mainly down to them no doubt but the, there is some bad luck there for sure. I mean, uh, those two games I can remember, they they honestly could have snatched the point easily and luck just wasn't on their side and there's just no reaction. We already said it months ago, we said that Almeria were, were going to go down and I think nothing's changed in that aspect. It's just more and more evident. Yeah, indeed. Uh, a truly um, chastening
0: situation for Almeria fans who, having stayed up last season pretty comfortably, will have thought, yeah, we can kick on now, we spent some money. Um, there was quite an interesting little exchange between uh, in the press room between uh, Gaetano and Plata uh, García Plata oh, yeah. talking about you know um, uh, Gaetano was kind of saying, oh well, you know, we haven't got any strikers and and García Plata was like, well hang on, you spent a lot of money on strikers, so you can't really <laughs> complain um, So yeah, <laughs> an interesting little uh, subplot down at the bottom there, but um, well Romana's almost out of time, but uh, a news that broke... Well, we say news. It was a report that came out on Sunday night in Sport, one of the Catalan newspapers, of course, um, saying that Mikel Arteta has informed his technical staff that he's going to leave Arsenal at the end of the season. So, a Friday Klopp, a Saturday Xavi, Sunday <laughs>
1: Mikel Arteta. Does
0: this
2: seem at all plausible to you, or is this just Sport trying to get a few uh, few clicks? Oh, it's going to be um, Klopp first manager, the second coach for Barca, and, and there you go. We're going to have the whole... Pep coming oh, back incredible as well? Team. Sorry? Pep
0: coming back as well, Pe- the party? Pep is
2: going to be the president. <laughs> nah, no, I'm yeah. just kidding. But uh, yeah, P.K. apparently... Uh, PK P- 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 in the future. He still has other stuff in the Kings League. He's still busy, not yet. But I mean, th- there have been rumours and also journalist Jarrah Romero said that apparently he has a release clause if he wants to leave to a team from outside the, the Premier League and that he also wants to leave at the end. So I don't know how truth, how true that is. We'll have to... We'll have to see, and he'll probably maybe mention something in the upcoming press conferences, but uh, it'll be interesting to see with all this movement. At least Barca have some options, which is like not too bad, I guess. Indeed. On that note, we better leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. Roman, why should listeners subscribe if they haven't already? Well, because uh, we provide, I think, very useful, good uh, La Liga content, and we're always there week in, week out, uh, basically on a daily basis. I concur fully. Thank
0: you very much for that. Thank you for your input tonight. Thank you for listening. We hope you do subscribe if you don't already um, and get access to all of that content all week long, as Roman said. Uh, we'll be back in midweek to review uh, some of the postponed La Liga matches for the Copper and the look ahead to match day 23. Love from all of us here tonight. We thank you for listening and adios.